Growth Solvers, how is it going? Welcome, welcome to our great length segment at the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm your host, Talia Toha. I'm so excited that you're here. How's it going? How's it going? Uh, This is good because I think what I want to do today is actually share with you something that will probably make you kind of itch and uh, wanting to go outside because this is something that is super cool. We have today Angie Roberts from Breakwater Expeditions. Now, Angie is super passionate about working with at-risk people and showing them gorgeous, beautiful destinations in the backcountry. She's gone to Alaska and take people to see glaciers and she helped them unplug and get back to plugging in afterwards, which which is so great because now everybody had uh, has a better sense of meaning, which I think is absolutely amazing. Now, she loves helping people go from timid to confident, and her work with Breakwater Expeditions take people to over 12 destinations across the U.S. and Costa Rica. Angie shared with us small ways that she's made a big, huge, massive impact on other people's lives. And she also shared with us how to make people comfortable with what you have to offer. And she also shares conversations that can help people say yes to themselves and to you. And also, last but not the least, how she can find strength in strengthening others and how you can do the same. Now, before we move on, Growth Solvers, don't forget to hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Amazing. I'm excited to have you on because I am, I always say that I'm passionate about being outdoors. It's one, one of my new loves, I should say. And my new, it's actually a few years old. But you are, you're representing this company, Breakwater. And we'll talk a little bit more about Breakwater and your work there. But I thought that you could start with perhaps. What first drew you to sea kayaking and canoeing? Maybe, I don't know if this is something that you've done uh, since you were a kid or maybe something that you learned and, and started to love when you were in as a young adult. What first drew you to the outdoors, Angie? Let's see. So as a kid, I was definitely, our family vacations were always camping. I remember doing a lot of fishing. Um, But what really took off for me was when I got into um, college and I was in the business major because what else do you do when you don't know what you want to do? And um, I uh, joined the outdoor club and realized all of these people that I was becoming friends with were in a, uh, the recreation parks and tourism degree. And I was like, what, this is what you're going to do as a job. (laughs) So I started doing all of these trips with them and um, just realized that that's where my passion lied. Um, I really enjoyed going out and taking people out and playing in the woods, uh, whatever that was. Um, I got really into rock climbing 
And um, it's funny you should ask about the canoeing and the sea kayaking. That's breakwater's main focus. However, um, canoeing was something that I learned to do in college through a course, uh, whitewater canoeing. It scared me to death. Um, and each time we went through a rapid, I thought I was going to throw up. And at the end of it, I thought I was going to throw up. So, <laughs> um, and this is hard. I'm glad that you brought yeah. canoeing up because it's actually not very easy at all. Right. <laughs> and I, I love that you tried it out as in college and you, you mentioned that honestly, that you felt like you were about to throw up because I recently went rafting and I saw a couple of canoes and kayaks as well and mm-hmm. they were just I mean you can tell that they were really not struggling per se but it was it was definitely a workout and if you don't really quite know technically how to do certain things right. you can get overturned very easily right it's actually kind of dangerous you know? it's scary. It's yeah, yeah yeah so did you ever uh, was the throw up something that you ever does that ever happen no. Um, and because it was a course, we were trained in whitewater, but my experience was always after, after college was expedition. So flatwater. Right. So I really enjoy the, the trip aspect, the experience of the, the expedition or the trip. I'm not um, a huge adrenaline junkie. I really just like being outside because it calms, it calms me. It's just, that's the rewarding part to me. And the training and the white water, all that gave me the ability to be a guide in the flat water because I know how much more scary it can be. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think even for the guides, because I know that I've had multiple different kinds of guides, but uh, outdoors, and some of them are really great, but even when they're really great, it's because it's the outdoors, there's so many moving parts. You don't really know what's going on and whether it can actually come out the way that you expect it to, that even for them, it's, it's still, there's still a lot of question marks there. So I, yeah. I really applaud that you're kind of, you know, even just your experience outdoors and then you move into the, the trip aspect of it and then you move into your work with breakwater later. And um, so what was kind of the, when you're, when you're kind of, when you're exploring what you want to do, right, when you're in, in your business, going through your business degree, and then also when you're outdoors, did you, did you feel like there was kind of a, was there any moments of uncertainty when you decided, oh, when you're deciding what to do, or was that kind of like a, oh, for sure, I'm going to be uh, in the outdoor space? Oh, there was so much uncertainty uncertainty. Um, I, my path took me into the wilderness therapy world. So my background was working with, um, therapeutic teenagers in wilderness therapy, as well as just at risk programs on the East coast and then into the therapeutic boarding schools. So those things took me, um, a little bit more away from like the guide life, um, and into how do you create stronger people by using the outdoors. So the wilderness therapy, they have no choice but be there. So then you're working with the, the child and their experience and how do you navigate that. So that's really where 
So the world took me there. It wasn't a choice. It was just like, oh, that looks like a good job. Let me try that. And that's where my talent shines is with the people. So using the outdoors, because I think that's the space that's really dynamic and I'm the best in the outdoors. Amazing. Well, and I love kind of that clarity that you have there, particularly in serving the at-risk youth and or even adults in in certain cases. But I wanted to actually touch on your work with at-risk people, right? Because can you explain first, for the audience who doesn't quite understand what that means, at-risk people, can you explain just a second what that is? Yes. So it is... um, So at risk would be like inner city kids. Um, I had plenty of um, kids that I took outside and they would look around and say, I have never seen this much grass. Uh, So (laughs) kids that are in the city that have um, working parents that don't have a lot of opportunity, um, low income, Um, And then there's also, I think, at risk, it's to be used as well with the kids that have the behavioral problems that are the um, higher income levels of families. And uh, those would be more of the families that can afford to send their children away to a wilderness program or boarding school with a focus on wilderness. And those Kids are more of the behavioral, so it's more emotional things that are happening for them or um, abuse, trauma, um, all of those things that um, are within the family unit or just within their own experience. But it's a lot of family work when it gets to the wilderness therapy piece. Right. And I'm kind of curious to hear because you work with this huge range of, in your case, of course, their youths in inner cities and from ranging from low income to higher income and everybody has their own challenges, right? Behaviorally or even physically. And I'm kind of curious because before, as you mentioned, the question becomes, how do you create stronger people? And I think this is such an important question. And I want to kind of unpack this for a second and pause here and prox in for the audience who's a little bit more curious about how you can actually create stronger people, whether that's people that you're in charge of, whether that's your own, you know, for business people, clients, or maybe even in, in the case of working parents, right? Entrepreneurial parents, their kids. Right. And I want to ask you, what have you seen to be is or maybe the question is, is there a a theme, kind of a common thread across all of these different, I don't want to say cases, but all of these different kids and youths that really stood out as far as difficulty in uh, and, and making it and that makes them at risk. Right. Is it really just a matter of setting the environment that allows for them to grow? Or in the case of the behavioral people, is it more in, it's just more like a mindset shift? Is there a theme that you're seeing that kind of stood out to you that comes to mind, Angie? I would say at the foundation level, it's creating the safety. So no matter what the, the child or even the adult's um, background is, there has to be a setting of safety, emotional and physical. So when you're using the outdoors, 
everyone's already feeling very unsafe because it's so unpredictable and out of your comfort zone. So if you can recognize what each individual's comfort zone is and their strengths within it, it's using creating that safety and then accessing their strengths. So I call that um, strength-based programming or um, I strength-based is pointing out the positives instead of pointing out the negatives in the simple way. Um, so that's what I see that works. A lot of people are so used to hearing all the negative or knowing all their challenges or um, the struggle. And what they really need to hear is like that some of their biggest challenges are actually their biggest strengths. And how do you access those in order to help the group or, um, you know, a kid that is um, in school and is called like the class clown, you take them outside and put them in a group and they're trying to make everyone laugh. But there may be, there may be there's some shame or there's some negative um, feelings on that because they keep getting in trouble at school for being funny. Well, when you take them and put them in a group, you're like, hey, you're hilarious. When everybody's hiking and they're struggling, that's the time. So you start to take their challenge and turn it into a strength and then apply it to the best moment for them to use it. Okay, this is an amazing example, and I'm so glad that you're highlighting sort of that class clown example. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think this is true as well, because a lot of people that I found to be hilarious is they're suppressed in certain environments and certain contexts, right? And, and other people, it's just the audience is not right, right? Which is so interesting. And I think even if we talk about different kinds of domains, business and otherwise, you even see, you know, musicians like, gosh, who's kind of, who's a good example here? Like Ed Sheeran, I think I remember reading about an article how, about how he was, because um, he's one of the biggest musicians today. I remember when he was a kid, he was kind of in a similar situation. Like he just never did well at school. And, you know, the parents didn't know what to do with him. It's like, oh, well, Ed's just not great at school. But the reality is because he just wasn't interested in it. But once he found music, something that he was so interested in it, he suddenly became, he suddenly rose to the top of, well, now the charts, you know, which is so interesting. And what you had said, strength-based program, and then turning weakness into strength. And more importantly, I do, I do want to repeat this. You said the, their biggest challenge can actually be or is actually their biggest strength, which is so interesting. And the reason why I want to highlight this is because I think the audience who's listening, whether they are career professionals, they work for someone else, or maybe they have their own business, I think we often think of our challenges as something that we have to kind of get rid of and just put in the in the closet and just never, yeah. right? Whether that's personality or, or skill-wise, I don't know what that is, but it's so interesting that you mentioned it's strength-based program. And was there ever, because because a lot of them view it as a weakness or maybe their parents view it or maybe their teachers view it as weakness. Was there ever resistance coming from them or the people around them when you introduce this strength-based program and how do you overcome that resistance if there's any? That, yes, there's always resistance from beginning to end continuously. Um, 
I think strength-based programming is not, um, so when you say introduce it to them, you don't outwardly introduce it. It's um, what I find. It's what I train guides and staff and whoever, whichever company I worked with in the past, whatever it was, we were trained to be strength-based. And as the adults running the show, it just became second nature to us to be strength-based when speaking to children, which also moves into speaking to adults. So I was able to notice that negative self-talk that we do to ourselves. So when a student is talking and very negatively about themselves, I recognize that as like, oh, interesting. I can catalog that and bring it back up later in the most appropriate time to help build them. Because what we're trying to do there with strength-based programming is get the participant to recognize it because we're changing those patterns in our thinking. And so with any kid, you know, if you directly tell them, well, I'm going to use some strength-based talk with you right now, and (laughs) they're automatically (laughs) resistant. So I think when I say strength-based, it's definitely just a way of being. And I think as adults, especially entrepreneurs, we have to shift our our perspectives into that strength base because otherwise we're just like terrible to ourselves. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's more of a mindset and a, um, a practice that we can use for each other. Yeah. And I love that you had mentioned that it's become second nature to you and people who similarly train these at-risk youth in discovering on their own in, in some ways with your guidance, with you standing by their side, discovering on their own what their strengths are, right? And getting people to recognize it, which I think is what you, you had mentioned just a minute ago. And I think this is so true, whether we are, I guess, uh, whether someone is trying to get over an, an obstacle or trying to work on their own personal kind of mind, mindset blocks, right? And we all have those and certain things that we can just never get over. And it's, I, I think people tend to be like, well, I don't want to do X because I don't like to do do it that way, right? I think you had what you had indirectly mentioned just now was basically, take out the, the idea or getting stuck on the process, right? And just kind of uh, just shift it around and introduce the strength and introduce what you're going to get out of it. And this is so true, I find, with a lot of our students too at Good Grow Great when they're trying to grow their business, they, they get so focused on, well, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to write X or I don't want to talk to blah. Like I'm like, well, it's, and once they discover that it's not, about writing and it's not about talking and it's not about social media even or whatever it is. And it's more about them. It's about, you know, Hey, you're great at this. Let other people hear you. Right. All of these things, it's certainly become kind of this, this cloud suddenly part and it's things are shifting and things are really, uh, are really kind of revelatory for them, I think, which is interesting. So I wanted to also touch on Angie for a second here. You mentioned creating that safety in uncomfortable situation, right? And with your, and you had touched on it just a second ago when you, when you listen and then you kind of file them and introduce that concept that they had mentioned earlier at another time so that they get to really rise beyond their situation. How do you create 
walk us through some of the ways that you can create safety, not just for other people, but maybe also for yourself. That way people who are listening can create, make themselves feel, okay, I can do this, right? How do you create something like that? It starts from before the trip and it's um, being open with communication. So I find being personable in the conversation with a stranger you haven't met that you're about to take them into the back country, um, opening the door right away to like, Hey, let's have that bathroom talk. I know you're curious. Let's just, let me hear it. What, what are your questions? Um, or how am I going to sleep in a tent or so I, because I've been doing this so long and working with so many people that have never gone out, I want to just immediately go to those hard questions that I know someone's nervous to ask. And once you open that door, people are very willing to walk through it with you because they do want to know. So starting before the trip and then being able to give tips and reminding people throughout a trip, hey, if you're having a problem, if you're not sleeping warm, if you're not um, feeling like you're getting enough food, those things have to be said. So just really opening the door to communication and um, preparing them for what lies ahead. And then noticing the good parts. Like if somebody's like, um, if it's, if it rains on a trip, um, you know, I often say like, well, if it didn't rain, we'd never know how great the sunshine is. And it takes that person a second and it's like, Oh yeah, exactly. Um, so for me, the way I do that is ultimately being really personable and open. And then to create my own safety, um, I have incorporated, and every year is different, like I'm constantly reevaluating, but it's really important for me to do certain self-care uh, practices while I'm guiding, because if I don't do those, <clears throat> I'm not feeling my best for me to present as confident and comfortable. So if I'm not taking the time to pack the right clothes or, um, you know, if I'm having certain dietary needs and I didn't pack my own like special treats to bring happiness to me, like those things I need to take time and do. So um, it's very important when you're doing this work to recognize your own work balance. And I love that you, what's, it, what's really great about this is that you started with basically saying, okay, the way to create safety for other people and for uh, yourself also, and this is definitely true in, in business and entrepreneurs know this when you're talking to clients, customers, everything, is, it's, is that it starts before the trip yeah. is what you said. Yes. Absolutely crucial. I love this because you can't, I think a lot of people just waited until it, until the situation arise and then wing it, you know, (laughs) and it's not at all. It's kind of like, I think the analogy is, of course, it's kind of like a a friendship, you know, you can't just wait until you, or I I don't know, maybe even dating, like when, until you move in to be, to ask, oh, the right questions. You can't, you can't just bring somebody flowers once a year and then tap out, right? That's not, (laughs) so I love that you mentioned it starts before the trip. And I particularly love that you mentioned 
that you address the hard questions actually up front and you mm-hmm. open the door and make them feel like it's okay to ask those questions, right? And this is amazing because when it comes to creating safety, they have to feel safe being able to ask those questions that maybe they feel, oh, I don't want to look like I'm stupid and asking these questions, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to look like I'm, I'm weak or whatever and I don't know what I'm doing, Right. And I think a lot of business owners feel this way as well when they're running their business and they're out there. They often feel like they have to know all the answers. And it's not the case at all. Right. And just kind of having that ability and opportunity to have people ask questions and then see that, okay, you don't always have the answers and vice versa. That's all it takes sometimes. So your point on communication is amazing. And then secondly, and I just want to quickly highlight this for the audience, is when you mentioned that you do have to allow yourself the ability to, okay, pack the right clothes, pack special foods that really, that you know will get you excited for a hike or something, whatever it is. And I think we've all done ourselves a huge disservice by saying, by calling these things maybe even guilty pleasures. Like that's not, why are we calling it guilty pleasures when they, they're not guilty, just, you know, unapologetically yes. pleasurable and necessary, right? Um, and I think this is great that you encourage people to, yeah, totally pack whatever, you know, maybe even stuff your stuffed animal if you want to. Totally. Yeah, so this is great. And I think when we draw this analogy to the business world, it's okay. I think it's okay. I always say it's okay to be lazy sometimes because Bill Gates even say lazy people are important because they're able to then say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find a faster, a better way, a more comfortable way, a more meaningful way to do X, Y, Z. And that's important, right? So just kind of accept what's important for us, which is amazing. So I wanted to ask, ask you, Angie, in your time kind of working with people who are you know, at risk in the outdoors, very sort of, um, I guess, uh, vulnerable environment, right? Not a lot of people, like you mentioned, have been outdoors. And it is tricky sometimes to take them outdoors when it's cold or raining or whatever it is. Was there a moment when, and you obviously don't have to mention names or anything, but was there a moment when someone, obviously, maybe in the first couple of days, they are with you and they're fine. And then maybe midway through the trip, they kind of, things break down. Was there a moment like that or a story that maybe came to to your mind there, Angie? This past um, summer, I did a teen trip with Breakwater. And um, we actually only do a couple teen trips a year. The rest are adults. But um, I had a young lady that was 19. And she was went on the teen trip as an intern. Uh, she had just finished a program. And we wanted to give her a celebration trip. And she struggled through the first uh, first week of three weeks. And I thought she was going to quit at the end. And, um, you know, I gave her some space and some time and she was able to work through it. And the whole bottom line was she just hadn't connect to the younger kids. So she felt like she was out of the loop and she, she put, she puts up a good front and then, you know, she kind of like lost it a little bit and, um, had to find her way back. But, what I think is beautiful about our, our trips and just trips in general in the outdoors is there's so much fun and adventure. It's almost like you're so curious to see what the next day would bring 
you just want to stick it out just a little bit further. And she did. And it was quite, quite a success for her. Um, changed her life, she said, by the end. So um, was there, did, for that particular girl, did you guys have to, uh, is there certain things that she had to do to basically f- felt comfortable and maybe uh, get out of her feeling of getting out of the, or staying out of the loop or whatever it is? Was there certain things that you had to do or did you just kind of come to it on her own? No, I think it's definitely like, um, you know, specific conversations with her of opening the door again and saying, you know, she was a very independent, it, it took her a while to warm up to people. And um, I had only known her for a few days, five days, maybe. And so she was still very quiet with me, but letting her know that, hey, this trip is what you put into it. You'll get out what you put in. And um, I'm here. And I'm and what I did is I gave her some roles and some jobs and gave her some purpose. And suddenly she was feeling like she had, yeah, she had purpose. And I think that as well as talking to her mom and talking to other support people in her family, um, she was able to like, wow, okay. You know, and it's, it's time. I think outside of the outdoors, we rush and we want to really get to the answer. But when you're on a trip on an expedition in the backcountry, you've got nothing but time. And you've got so many things to do throughout the day. It's like two days later, you're like, how are you feeling about that, about, that, about that thing? Oh, what thing? Oh, right. Yeah. And they've moved on. So so this is great because what I absolutely love is that you mentioned that you gave her a role and she finally kind of felt purposeful, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've also discovered and I've observed in a lot of independent people, you mentioned independence, right? People who are, who's used to maybe doing things on their own, right? Who are, I don't know if introversion is her thing, but certainly people who felt like they're more comfortable on their own, which I totally, I acknowledge is important. And yet there's always, and I do really believe this, I think, you know, we are all social animals, introverts or extroverts, right? Independent or not, we all rely on each other to survive. And I think this is particularly true in cases where you're uncomfortable, you're having this huge discomfort and you're in an environment that's new and you don't really know what you're doing there, right? And then having that activity and that role gives them the purpose. And I really want to encourage, I think for people who have who have businesses and are listening, who have employees under their wings, right? And maybe they're not doing well and you notice that their productivity declined or whatever it is. It is really important, I think, to then ask them, okay, what is it that you want to do? Uh, what can, how can you really give back to everyone else? Because it's not about giving back to the people. It's really about giving back to themselves, actually, yes. uh, which is really highlighted by your example there, which is amazing. So I wanted to ask you uh, a fun question because you've been to all kinds of destinations across the country and maybe even Costa Rica with your role with Breakwater was there a particular place in mind that you absolutely love? And this is kind of more from a hobby standpoint for people who are looking to take a break from staying at home, working from home, and or maybe even working where they are right now. Was there a, per, a place that really 
to you stood out for whatever reason? I would say when I, when I joined in on breakwater and got to go up to our Alaska destination, that uh, definitely blew my mind um, to be able to paddle sea kayak right near the glaciers and to camp near them, to be in such a remote backcountry in Alaska. Uh, that was very powerful to me. I've been up to a lot of places and I feel like I've had a lot of experience with being very remote, but that, that was very, very big. It's just like such a beautiful landscape. It's also a place that will grow resilience um, within you because as well-trained and as well-experienced as I am in the backcountry, there are challenges there. So if I'm feeling challenged, I know very well what other people are feeling at a whole nother level. So it challenges me to be better at what I do. And I really appreciate places that make me grow in that way. Um, So yeah, I'd probably pick Alaska. That's a great pick because I personally have not been to Alaska, but I've heard so many great stories about how gorgeous it is. And I know that a lot of people are like, well, but it's super cold. But actually, sometimes you're pretty surprised by, by how these remote places really take your breath. And I remember the first time I ever felt that way was that it was when I first went to Switzerland Mm -hmm. and we went on a couple of trails where it can only be, it's only accessible to people on foot and they only allow, you know, whatever it is, 50 people per day or something. So it's very remote. You can't get to it by car and not even with some of the, ATVs or whatever it is so it's very and at, at first the fir- the first thinking was like well it's kind of a hassle I'm just not going to do that but I was so glad that we did that and I, I bet you you felt probably the same way when you were sea kayaking up to the glaciers in Alaska mm-hmm. is because you just get to see certain things at a certain scale that then gives you certain perspectives that you won't otherwise have unless you're in that situation, right? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's almost, yeah, 100%. It's almost kind of like seeing the night sky and you can't see the night sky the way it is in like a big city. Big cities, I'm not hating on big cities. I love them. They're great. But you can't see the full scale of all the stars unless you're, there's a certain level of darkness and, you know, light pollution and all that. And I think this is also true when you want to see things with a certain perspective. And I think this is true outdoors. I think this is true in in life, right? Sometimes we have to take ourselves out of certain situations, put ourselves in another situation mm-hmm. to be able to see certain things a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely love uh, this analogy. And I'm so glad that you're doing your work with Breakwater. I think it's amazing. It's amazing that you're helping everyone kind of come out uh, on their own to, to discover themselves, of course, with other people in the outdoors. This is all amazing work. Now, believe it or not, uh, Angie, we are coming to the conclusion of our conversation. So why don't you share with the audience where they can learn a little bit more about you and Breakwater? Uh, we have a website. It's uh, breakwaterexp.com. And you can see our destinations as well as the different um, 
custom retreats that we do and pictures and be able to contact us through there. Amazing. Angie, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. Don't forget to hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's dive in.